This episode of Down to Business is brought to you by Harvard Pilgrim Healthcare, guiding our local communities to better health for over 50 years. Hi, everybody. This is Jeff Feingold, editor of New Hampshire Business Review, back from 14 days of quarantine on the beach down in Massachusetts. Uh, for our with our Bound to Business podcast for August 5th, 2020. And this time we have our whole cast of characters here with us to talk about something that, that occurred actually yesterday, late breaking news. We have Ernesto Burden, our publisher and producer of this podcast. Hey, Jeff. Uh, how's everything going there, Ernesto? Did you miss good. me while I was away? I did. It's good to have you back. Uh, <laughs> Mike, you did a great job filling in, actually. I actually listened to the podcast for a change. Usually I don't listen because I was there. So, but anyway. Somehow uh, that reminds me of that, 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 was it Hair Club for Men commercial or whatever back in the day? That's right. You know, not only do I make this, I am also a consumer of it. I'm, I'm a customer, yeah. I'm a customer. And as we'll have Bob Sanders and Lisa Riley here today, too. So anyway, Ernesto, Yesterday, you had a, uh, what I have to say, I, I don't like to use this word, but considering the last uh, five months or so, a unique experience. And I was going to a live, a live business event in New Hampshire. Could you tell us a little bit about what happened? Sure, yeah. Um, you know, I, so the event itself was the, the Business and Industry Associations. Um, uh, the, the title is the New Hampshire Economic Summit. And it was... Uh, you know, 7.30 to 2, um, so all day with morning networking and a lunch and, um, you know, presentation in the afternoon by uh, two New Hampshire governors, uh, John Sununu the Younger and, and John Sununu the Elder. And uh, so, you know, basically uh, the kind of content that, that really I think would have been a tremendous draw um, for, for business leaders uh, from across the state at any other time, and uh, and and I was really curious um, about the event. So I, I basically, you know, I I was interested in the content, but I was also interested as as publisher of uh, New Hampshire Business Review and and the other McLean Communications publications about our own uh, the viability of events in general. As so much of our business, uh, you know, hinges on events. And so, uh, you know, so I was really interested to see that as well. And um, so, so really, and we're a sponsor of the event. New Hampshire Business Re Review was actually a media sponsor of this event. So for those three reasons, uh, it seemed to me like a, a reasonable thing to, to attend. I know that people are, are weighing the risks that they take right now very carefully. And, you know, I'm certainly not somebody who is, uh, you know, blasé about the, the pandemic or, or a non-believer in the seriousness of it. But, but in this case, it felt like a, a reasonable thing to do. Um, and so I went and uh, it was, the content was great, but, but I have to say um, it was not as well attended as, as organizers had expected. And I, I talked to Jim Roach uh, for quite a long time. He's the, the, the director of the BIA. President, yeah, yep. and yeah, I always want to say executive director, and, and I'm always <laughs> don't don't demote him. <laughs> yes, well, president. Uh, but but we talked uh, for quite a while afterwards, and he was really candid about the fact that um, 
you know, sort of the lesson learned here is is he feels like it's too soon. You know, they were hopeful, uh, but but based on things that happened with attendance, it, it felt soon. And and I can tell you a little bit as we go along about, you know, some of the um, it, like the feelings that crop up even when you're doing a live event, which is which was interesting and it was a little surprising to me. Well, yeah, Ernesto, I'm, I'm curious about the crowd size. I mean, that, that's a phrase I think we hear a lot these days. What was the, how big was the crowd at the event? So the, the event was at the, the Manchester Country Club in Bedford. And the, uh, I believe that the room capacity there in normal times is 300. Um, we ourselves have hosted many events there. Um, the, um, and they had capped this event, the registration at 115, and it sold out. So it was sold out at 115. And then yesterday, um, or the day before yesterday, so the day before the event, um, that 115 dropped down to 80, um, with people basically calling and saying, um, geez, my company's changed its policies since I registered, or my company didn't have a policy when I registered, or that kind of thing, where you know now the company's saying no, you can't go to in-person events, and so so you had uh, some 30 people, 35 people drop out. Just to just to be clear on this, because it was yesterday, August 4th. I mean, this the the drop the, the drop in attendance didn't have anything to do with the uh, storm that was coming, because the storm I know didn't hit Manchester. If it even really did hit Manchester until much later in the day, so that wasn't really a factor in these decisions either, were they? Was it? I I don't think so. And I mean, it's a good point, and and it's possible. Um, I didn't, you know, I I personally wasn't really weighing, you uh, know, because it wasn't a, a a winter storm, and because we were, you know, we were supposed to get rain and wind, but but I think here in New England, that's that's not something that would typically preclude somebody. Yeah driving over to an event. Um, and I don't think it was supposed to hit until later in the day. This got out at two o'clock. So, so I don't think that was an issue. And that wasn't something that, that sort of in the, um, you know, the debrief afterwards that Jim pointed to and said he thought okay. it was an issue. Now, now, what was the total number that who showed up then in the end? Okay, so, so we're, we're down to 80, as you recall, uh, yeah. for people who, who called up and, and canceled their RSVP. Um, and then by the next morning, uh, 35 people showed up. Wow. So for a two, for a for wow. multi-hour event. For a, yeah, a, a really a six hour, you know, pretty much full day event. Wow. Um, and, you know, it was, um, that, that didn't make for an empty room. You know, it was, there were people at yep. tables and they were very well spread out because there were yeah. only of them. And, and it might've been a couple more than 35. I think that was a sort of back of the envelope number that Jim scratched, but that was about how many I counted when I was sitting there as well. I, mm. I, you, you always miss people coming in and out, but but about 35 seems right. Not counting um, the AV people, not, not counting um, the, the the country club folks who were who were providing the, the hospitality services and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Is, now, in terms of uh, Jim's reaction, you said that he, what, what, what was the, the big takeaway from him? What, what was his, his uh, reaction overall? 
I, I mean, I, the, in, you know, he said uh, really specifically, and I quote, I'm not sure we would do another event live before a vaccine comes out. Um, so that was that was his takeaway. And, and you know, to, to follow up on that, um, you know, he, he, he clarified and said, you know, that obviously events are a major source of revenue for the BIA, probably uh, more so than they are for us even, and, and they're an important part of our revenue. Um, but, uh, which makes this a tough decision, um, but he said there's a lot of uncertainty and anxiety out there and we need to recognize that and act appropriately. Mm. Um, so that, that was sort of what he took away from this. I, I was going to, yeah, I was going to say, I, I mean, I've been really curious to see how other Granite Staters feel about um, the the circumstances we're in right now, because I, I have wondered if I've been uh, unique in my approach, because as I mentioned before, I have an eight-month-old son, so obviously I am cautious about his health. He was born during flu season, so I already was kind of, um, you know, implementing some of these, like, protocols before. And then I'm I'm also asthmatic, so when I heard about COVID, I thought, oh, gosh, I'm exactly the type of person I get bronchitis <laughs> and all sorts of things. So I, it, it's interesting to hear that other people are cautious, and it makes me think, too, that the vaccine is, um, and you know, something that people are waiting for just because what else has changed? I mean, we have stayed home and we've luckily slowed the spread and it does make me uh, feel, well, when I look at the Department of Health and Human Services, every day I get the email saying how many people have tested positive. And I've seen that number go up and I've seen that number, to be honest, it's gone down. It's generally right now around the 20s. Sometimes I see 40 people have tested positive. Um, but at one point during the height of this, there was uh, close to 100, generally it would stay in the 70s. So it makes me feel comfortable to see the data right there in my face. I mean, it's almost like a, you know, where were you at this moment in history? Because every time at four or five o'clock, I check that email to see how many people have tested positive. But it makes me feel good that the in the Northeast, we have slowed the spread, though then I privately have the conversation with um, my relatives and my friends about tourists coming in and who could be um, inadvertently spreading it that way. Um, so it's really interesting, Ernesto, to hear um, your perspective from that event yesterday, because sometimes I wonder if I'm living in a bubble, because I kind of am. <laughs> it's it's really challenging, and I think I think one of the things that makes it really challenging is as you said, you can look at the data, and the data is going to tell you a certain number of things, um, you know, and some of them are positive. I will uh, roughly paraphrase what, what uh, the governor said yesterday during the event uh, about the current data. You know, is, he was touting how well New Hampshire's done, and I agree. Compared to other states, New Hampshire has done a phenomenal job. Really, really all the northern tier states have, so so we're very lucky to be in in the northern tier states. And, you know, he said, you know, I think we had, you know, about 30 new cases yesterday. In most states, uh, they would be glad to have that in a county. Yeah. You yeah. Know, so, yeah. Uh, you know, so I was going to note, too, that last week when we spoke with um, J.P. Morgan Chase, their economist noted that being in the Northeast, um, the way in which we've handled the pandemic is um, being reflected in our economy and the fact that we are, um, you know, we have endured this a lot better than other parts of the country in terms of our handling of it and our economy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and, but, but, 
but I was just going to say, I, I, you know, the, the the other point is that this is we're just in the middle of this. If we're lucky, we hope we're in the middle of it, and we the, the second half is you know going to be coming up. So, you know, that that's why it takes a lot of. Uh, that's that's why someone like Jim Roach at VIA would be saying, well, we have to wait for a vaccine because he knows that. You, you can't play around with this stuff, I guess. I mean, I guess that's what that's a takeaway. That's what I'm getting from this. I, I don't know. Since well, I was well, yeah, and, I, and I think, you know, and kind of to, to close the loop on on a thought that I was having when, when Lisa was talking was, you know, you can look at all the data, but I think there are still enough unknowns out there. You know, people are still learning uh, about, uh, you know, what exactly the, the long-term outcome of this is, what the science is. One of the things that Jim had mentioned that he thought was a factor, um, his, uh, they had surveyed uh, their membership back in April and said, when things open back up, would you go to a live event? You know, so they didn't go into this blind. They did, frankly, what we did recently and, and when we surveyed our audience and asked the same question. Um, and, and I'll, won't bury the lead there. When we surveyed our audience, about 20% of people said they would go to a live event right now of, of people who, who attended uh, the, the same event prior year. Um, so that's that's not a large number. The uh, When the BIA surveyed them, it was earlier. You know, we just did our survey like two weeks ago. BIA did theirs back in April during the shutdown. And, that, and, and what Jim said was that in his impression was at that period of time, everybody was still operating under the assumption that if you did get it, you'd get it, you'd get over it, you'd never get it again, and that would be it. It would be like a thing that you had had triumphed over. And now, you know, he cited some examples of people who have gotten it, um, you know, notable people who have gotten it, who who then, uh, you know, are dealing with. Uh, with recovery from it for a really long period after they've had the initial disease, you know, where, where you know, whether it's celebrities or sports figures, or, or he mentioned Neil Levesque with the Institute of Politics, um, you know, sort of having these uh, lingering effects. And, and he thinks that that has made people sort of rethink their original answer in that survey and think, you know, all right, we just don't know enough to make that call right now you know, in terms of taking that risk. And and so, you know, he his sort of sense of it was there were probably a lot of people who that very morning um, got up and said, you know what, nah, I'm not gonna do it. And and I, I you know, not for this event, but for, for another event, um, you know, I think it was a, a, a in-person business breakfast event that, that a, a guy in my running group, I won't out him, but, but there's a guy in my running group who, uh, you know, is is probably uh, in the same age range I am. You know, I'm I'm 50. He's he's probably five years older than I am, and he had said uh, that, you know, he had been toying with, planning on attending this breakfast event, and and when he mentioned it to his wife, she said, just no, you're not. <laughs> anyway, I just, I just want to we'll take let's take a break for a second. We'll be right back after this. We'll continue this conversation. We'd like to thank Harvard Pilgrim for supporting Down to Business. While so much has changed, Harvard Pilgrim's commitment to their members and the local community has not. Whether you're looking to shake it up, stretch it out, or get centered, Harvard Pilgrim's new live virtual well-being courses have you covered with Zumba, yoga, guided mindfulness, and more. 
All courses are available to everyone at no cost. Get more details and check out the class schedule at harvardpilgrim.org slash livingwellathome. Okay, so we're back. Um, anyway, Ernesto, I'm, I'm thinking that what, what, you know, from the point you're making about this BIA event and just what its ramifications are, you know, we have sub, several events planned and we were talking about, as you said, we had a, we did the survey of possible participants and it just seems like that it's, that there seems to be some kind of sense, something's kicked in to people that you, you kind of alluded to with, with what Jim said about April. The other thing about, about doing a survey of participants in April, that was the beginning of it. And we were still just saying about, well, we'll you know, we're, we're going to fund this Paycheck Protection Program for eight weeks and we'll be done. You know, people have this window, it'll be done by July. And now we're past July. Yeah. And we realize that we have many, many, many more weeks to go. So uh, I, mean, I, th I think that's like maybe some sense of reality is kicking in with people or some sense of, yeah, I guess, yeah, pragmatism about this. Like, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put the cart before the horse anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, and, and, and I think that actually, that may be playing out in a couple of different ways, right? Because really what people are saying now is, I don't know. Like, I, I honestly don't know when this ends. I, I don't know when the ultimate outcome is. So there are people who are making decisions based on now confidently knowing they don't know. You know, before it would be like, you you know, and, and I'm obviously talking about, I think, the middle of the spectrum, right? You know, there there are people on either extreme who are, A, either still haven't left their house except to get groceries, <laughs> or, and, or on the other end of the extreme who are, you know, uh, I don't know, going to raves or, or whatever and licking doorknobs and, and that. <laughs> And but but so, you know for for those of us who live somewhere in the the middle of the the risk analysis spectrum, you go all right. This is this could go on for a long time until there's a vaccine, say. So what am I willing to do? What am I not willing to do? And and what risks will I tolerate? And so so some of us are are saying okay, I'm not not going to go support a restaurant for the next until until next year. I, I, I'd rather do that. I think it can be done safely. Do I know 100%? No, but do I know 100% it can't? And, and so, so you know, you're gonna make certain choices. You're gonna go like like maybe some people uh, will, will say, you know, I'm gonna go to the gym. I know they're socially distancing. I know they're wiping down the equipment. I know they're requiring masks when you're closer than six feet to people. And so that that aspect of my fitness is as important to me you know, I, I feel like there, there's a risk in not doing that also yeah. or, or whatever. But then but then you also have people saying, OK, I'm not going to do that. I'm you know, and I'm going to eat in restaurants, but I'm only going to eat outside. I know many people who've sort of made that their benchmark. You know, I'm, I'm happy to go out and support the restaurant and spend the money, but but I'm not going inside. Um, and and, you know, and, and all the way back or, or out to both edges of that spectrum. Yeah. And, and you know, I. Place. just just because you have to continue to live somehow and we're no and and acknowledge that you're in a waiting period that's longer than hey we'll just give this another couple weeks and then it'll be done and we'll know what to do yeah it's, that's that's what the whole thing is i think people were much more hopeful that this was going to be something that we can manage but it you know it's 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 just become 
you know, pretty devastating, you know, in terms of a public health thing, and also obviously for the economy, which is which is really, uh, you know, what's what has been uh, eye opening to a lot of people is how things have been shut down so much. You know, be, I think while, it's. While, 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 I was just gonna say, well, go ahead, Lisa. No, well, I was just gonna say, especially with the economy, when you think of retail, um, I have entered a couple stores and I, I don't do it very often, but uh, you notice there are far fewer people in the retail stores. And I think that that is going to be interesting looking at generally the US economy and um, how we do with that. And I, I, and I was thinking there was um, an economic report we had looked at that showed that consumer spending was down, but the question is, will will it go back up, or is it just slightly shifting online? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, in terms of myself, I mean, I had it's really interesting because my maternity leave was around the time that this virus was starting to spread in China. So I've been following it almost since day one with the New York Times. And um, when it did come to the U.S., I mean, I think that I was hopeful that maybe we could still squash it and it wouldn't one i was really surprised when it did spread to new england and two i just thought there was still the hope that we could um eradicate it just by isolating the cases so i think that it really was um uh, you know it definitely changed my perspective on things when we saw that now the saying is slow the spread it's not stop the spread it's slow the spread so until we have a vaccine i think that that's you know that's the theme yeah, I just want, you know, I, that's exactly right about the, about the economy. You, know, you raised this point, and, and actually, Ernesto, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, what, was the, what were they talking about in terms of the economy at this event? You know, I, I mean, there were, there were uh, a couple of different uh, really strong, I mean, all the presentations were strong, but the, um, uh, the, the first presentation was one that, that, that I thought there were a lot of data takeaways from, uh, at least from my perspective, which was, you know, uh, Dr. Jeffrey Thompson, who's a vice president and a common economist at the Federal Reserve Bank down in Boston, um, talked about New Hampshire and New England economic challenges and opportunities. And one of the things that was an interesting takeaway is that right now, con- consumer confidence is, not consumer confidence, I think, in the near term, but but consumer confidence looking out, consumers are more optimistic about the future right now than they were six months ago, hmm. like before the pandemic hit, hmm. which I thought was interesting. Really? Hopefully I interpreted what he said there correctly, but but I, I think I did. Um, you know, we're also seeing big bounce backs. Um, we're seeing huge bounce back in, uh, in hospitality. Um, overall, unemployment rates dropping. Um, you know, not not back to the original levels, but but uh, you know, uh, considerably based on um, you know where we were, uh, and he's looking at data that only goes up to June, obviously, because he's. Okay. But the uh, uh, you know, New Hampshire's gained back 38,000 jobs uh, by June, by the end of June. Um, you know, but it's still down 12 percentage points of off its pre-pandemic peak. So. Um, you know, it was 11.8% unemployment versus 2.5% unemployment a year ago. Um, but, but the trends are going in the right direction. Um, the uh, Interestingly, New Hampshire's also, according to him, seen steeper losses in manufacturing and professional business services than the rest of the region did, hmm. uh, which is strange. I think that's something worth digging into later. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, uh, but it's seen smaller losses in construction. So there, there are definitely these, these, these interesting uh, 
pockets for New Hampshire that, that, that set us apart. Um, the uh, one other point that he made that I thought was really interesting is that the economic decline in New Hampshire is starker in places that have seen less virus. Yeah, that's the North Country. Yes. Yeah. So, so all of those places that people didn't really get sick are the ones who are bearing the the, the heaviest brunt of the the economic decline, which is a, a really lot of that has probably a lot of that probably, especially for the for the North Country, for Coas County and parts of Carroll, is that you know really that's tourism. That's that's a those are very tourist reliant uh, into uh, regions now. And I would think that that probably reflects that. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I haven't seen numbers on tourism yet, but you do know that it's, it's, le it's less than it was. You know, you, you've already, Lisa, Lisa, actually, maybe next week we could talk a little bit more about tourism. We had planned, we were planning on that. But it seems to me that that's, you know, what that reflects. Yeah, I don't specifically have uh, Carroll County right here, but I was looking at the top um, counties in terms of, like, Grafton, Hillsborough, Merrimack. Rockingham in terms of uh, rooms revenue. And as of May, that's the most recent data we have. I mean, a lot of them were showing that uh, year over year, um, the revenue was down 80%. Yeah. So, uh, but I don't know that's if things are picking up that. in June. Yeah, that's that's a thing, you know, what, you know as, like you said, we, we don't really know the whole picture of what the summer's like. We're still in the middle of it, you know, we, we won't know for a full couple of months, really, so. But it does seem like, you know, it just seems that, that that's really uh, something that's got to keep an eye on, especially for, you know, such an economically sensitive area like the North Country. Yeah. Anyway, so I just wanted to say uh, to thank you to Ernesto for, for discussing this with us. And I'll look for the hopeful signs and keep those in mind. <laughs> Thank yeah, you for I, giving us that fly on the wall perspective of the BIA event that we were unable to attend. Yes, thank you. Thank you for, for being the canary in the coal mine for McLean Communications. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I, you know, it's it, like to that point, um, it's interesting because I, I would have, you know, if, if, if there's an exact middle line between uh, deeply cautious and reckless, right, or, or <laughs> or incredibly paranoid and reckless. Let's put those as the two options. There's a middle line, somewhere in the middle of that. Um, I'd probably fall a little bit over that line on the side towards being less cautious. Not saying that I'm not cautious, but I'm, you know, I will go out and eat inside a restaurant. Um, my, my kids are all uh, very healthy. I'm healthy. They're, they're of, you know, nobody's I, I don't live with anybody or have regular contact with anybody with, you know, with uh, health conditions that would put them in a risk factor. I don't have any uh, comorbidities uh, that, that would. Uh, anyway, all of which is not to say that I would want to get this uh, this virus, and and so I'm taking precautions not to get it. I wear my mask. I do the things, uh, but at the same time, I'll, I'll go to eat in a restaurant, and and you know, and I went up to the White Mountains uh, and stayed in a hotel a, a couple weeks ago. So I'm, I, I'm on that side. I'm confessing here. I'm on that side. <laughs> Risk taker. Uh, but, the, um, but when I did that, um, I'm also confessing my neuroses here. I did wipe down all the doorknobs in the hotel. <laughs> well, <laughs> with, with the that's, not, that's not neurotic, not nowadays. <laughs> yeah, so, so, you know, so I'm, I'm anyway, um, but I felt 
more nervous than I thought I was going to. Um, and, and, that, and that, it says nothing about the event. It says nothing about the organizers. You know, they had the appropriate signage. They had the AV guys who were coming up and literally wiping down the mics with sanitizer every time somebody came up to ask a question. I mean, it was very well done. And nonetheless, when I came in, I had sat down at a table with two other people. So we were very spread out. And, and I just, you know, as I was sitting there, maybe the person at the, the table coughs. <laughs> and you're oh. like, um, you know, and people cough for all kinds of reasons other than having a virus. You know, it's dry inside a place or air conditioning or whatever. I have to admit, I got up and I kind of, like after the, that session ended, I got up and kind of moved to an empty table in the far back of the room. Yeah. And I just felt more comfortable doing that. And I was surprised at myself. Like I was surprised that, that um, I'm not judging myself, but I, I, you know, I was <laughs> interested to see that that was what my reaction was. Um, and, and if that was my reaction, perhaps I understand why some people would have just chosen not to come at all. Yeah. Really, I, you know, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I, I'm really, uh, I'm, I'm happy to hear this uh, discussion because it does kind of give me some information for my own decisions late in the next few months. So thanks very much, Ernesto. Ernesto Burden, our publisher and producer of Down to Business and Lisa Ryla and Bob Sanders, he's out there somewhere. And thanks very much for listening and we'll see you next week.